itaque qui se existimat stare vidiat necadat. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Very dear faithful, today, the ninth Sunday after Pentecost, Holy Mother Church presents to us for our meditation the visit of our Lord to Jerusalem and the driving out of the merchants in the temple. Our Lord wept over the city of Jerusalem because the capital city of his chosen people had rejected the teachings of countless prophets and ultimately her Messiah himself. If you had known in this your day, even you, the things that are for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes because you have not known the time of your visitation. The historian Flavius Joseph describes the terrible fall of Jerusalem to the Roman army in 70 AD. The end of the perpetual sacrifice of the Old Testament and the fall of the city shows that in no way is past blessing any guarantor of future grace. For this reason, St. Paul tells us in his first letter to the Corinthians, therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Today's epistle and gospel help us understand better our situation in today's society and also tell us how we are to respond. Holy Mother Church has us consider today the question of our correspondence with grace. God had showered his chosen people with many benefits. He had surrounded them with many graces, protected them with jealous care, only to lose them all because of their infidelity. The state of Israel, as a result, was an utterly sad and miserable one. St. Paul tells us in today's episode that the horrors that befell the Jewish people are recounted to us for our own correction. Understanding how the jewel of the Middle East was reduced to such a lowly position will help us understand our own position in today's world. The chosen people received everything necessary from God. He led them out of Egypt, provided them with provisions for their journey, gave them an earthly homeland, and promised them a Messiah who would lead them to their celestial home when the time was come. However, time after time, they rejected him and his promises. They saw the earthly delights of the nations around them and wanted the same things. Little by little, they stopped living according to the law and started worshipping other gods. Over the course of time, they developed sinful habits and lived sinful lives. All of this became deeply ingrained in their society. By the time the Messiah came to them, their leaders were so blinded by sin that they were unwilling to recognize him. St. Paul points out that the lessons that we must learn from the prophecies of the destruction of Jerusalem, the corrections that we must now apply to ourselves are of three types. There are corrections for sins of the heart, especially desiring evil things, or desiring good things, but in a disordered way. Corrections for sins of action, most especially idolatry, fornication, tempting God by distrusting his power. And corrections for sins of the mouth, particularly murmuring. 
St. Paul enumerates them so that we, may, we too may be aware and vigilant over our souls, over these same categories of sins. After relating all that was to befall the city of Jerusalem, in today's Gospel, St. Luke recounts that our Lord wept over the city, a figure or symbol of the heavenly Jerusalem. This itself is a figure of our Lord's love for us. When we have given ourselves over to sin, our Lord does not fail to weep over us, disappointed as he is by our failure to keep his commandments. When we make ourselves corrupt and give ourselves over to living a sinful life, we cannot deny that we forget about God and become like the pagans and idolaters described in the Bible. When we live a virtuous life, we are able to read into the consequences of our actions far into the future by the light of grace in our souls. Souls given over to sin shun this foresight because they do not want to be disturbed when in a sinful state. Darkness envelops such souls which become incapable of seeing anything beyond the immediate satisfaction of their disordered appetites. This is how we allow our own Jerusalem, our own soul, to be besieged by our enemies. It is through our sins that the evil one and his minions surround our souls, dig a trench around it, and by our own fault eventually breach the walls and overrun our souls, leaving no stone unturned. Why do we fall to sin? In his commentary on today's epistle to the Corinthians, St. Thomas explains that we fall for six reasons. By the feebleness of our strength, by the burden of our own sins, by foolishly putting ourselves in occasions of sin, by ignorance of what needs to be done, by the encouragement to do evil from the world, and by the bad example of others' faults. It is for this reason that we are warned by the Apostle to the Gentiles to be always vigilant. A few venial sins may seem small, but they will increase the disorder in our souls. Added up over a short time, this disorder will increase to the point that we have a grave fall which takes us away from God. If we persist in this state without seeking a remedy for it, we will end up growing in vices. This adds to the disorder because we will find ourselves addicted to one or another passion. Eventually, we bring ourselves an enormous amount of pain as though our souls are ripped apart in all directions, attached as we are to one bad habit or another. St. Gregory of Nazianzus explains that once we give ourselves to living a sinful life, our passions become our enemies, surrounding us and giving us a taste of the hell that will be ours by tormenting our souls until we are run ragged, trying to satisfy one desire after another. This is when we can find ourselves in a state of despair, despondency, and discouragement. We could feel that our lives have no meaning or that we are being continuously accused and never left in peace. 
It is from this pain and torment that we try to escape. Yet even our good works do not allow us any rest. If we come to the end of our lives in this state, it appears to us as though all that we have done in our lives is scattered and overturned so that nothing is left. Such souls that have willfully chosen the darkness all through their lives find that by rejecting God every day, they receive no further teaching from him. At the end of our lives, it will be too late and this hell will become permanent. Whatever God gives us on this earth, whether it is pleasurable or painful, should be seen either as an encouragement or as a correction for which we should be grateful. Nothing that God gives us will leave our soul in error, for it gives us a chance to repent and turn away from our sins. For these reasons, St. Paul warns us to be careful about temptations. Today's epistle is a call to vigilance and humility. As long as we resist temptations, we will have God's help. He is always faithful. Already at the time of the first church in the city of Corinth, St. Paul had to warn that large numbers of Christians are falling. If we ourselves are still standing, our situation is far from certain. We must take heed, for ruin can come easily. It is important always to be vigilant against temptations. God gives us power to resist them, grace to merit heaven, constancy to conquer them, and perseverance to continue for all of our lives. God's gifts are preserved beneath the ashes of humble mistrust of self. At the same time that he exhorts us to be humble, St. Paul also urges us to have confidence because God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able, but will make also with temptation an issue, a way out that you may be able to bear. God knows our weaknesses, the struggles we have to undergo and the temptations that assail us. And for each of them, he gives us the measure of grace we need to triumph over them. It is very true that when the storm is raging, we can feel only the impact of the struggle and the grace of God and the grace that God is giving to help us remains completely hidden. Nevertheless, this grace is there and we should be certain of it because God is faithful. Let us take a look at what is happening in our world today. For more than 60 years, we human beings before God have not been living according to the teachings of Jesus Christ. By our evil desires, we have committed many sins of the heart. By the pervasive immorality in society, we see that we commit many sins of actions. And by the lies that have become commonplace, we commit many sins of the mouth. It is not just true to say that we have forgotten the lessons of our ancestors in the faith through the scriptures. It would be better to say that we have not read them and have not learnt anything from them. Therefore, being in the dark, we are unable to apply to ourselves the corrections that we should. This growing rejection of God is not something that started outside the church, but from within. 
Today, in many of our churches, liturgical abuses take place regularly. Formation in our seminaries is inadequate. Doctrine is not even taught. All this was done by men of the church under the influence of worldly ideas. Just like the Sanhedrin and Pharisees led their people astray the first time that the Messiah came on the earth, it was the bishops and priests who replaced the supernatural viewpoint for a natural one. St. Gregory of Nazianzus pointed out that when our Lord spoke the words of today's gospel, it could be said clearly that the destruction of the people arose chiefly from the guilt of the priests. The priestly service is not in a performance of religion that is something that can be bought and sold, but it is in a free and willing obedience to God. In driving the money lenders and merchants out of the temple, our Lord was pointing out that there indeed are those in the church who pursue their own interest or look for a shelter in the church to conceal their own wickedness rather than confessing their sins and seeking the healing from God's pardon. Our Lord cast out the merchants and money lenders right after speaking of the destruction of Jerusalem because of their failure to respond to his generous love for them. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered together thy children as the hen doth gather her chickens under her wings, and thou wouldst not. This was the constant attitude of Jesus toward the holy city, but it always remained blind to every light, deaf to every invitation, and the Saviour, shortly going before going to his passion, broke forth into his last sorrowful admonition. If thou hadst known, and that in this thy day, the things that are to thy peace. The casting out of the moneylenders and merchants from the temple shows that our Lord does not withdraw his teaching from the unworthy and the ungrateful. St. Luke reports that our Lord continued to teach in the temple. Those that were cast out represent those men of the church who lower priestly work from a supernatural exchange between God and man to a natural commerce between men. St. Ambrose tells us that this is precisely what our Lord condemns in today's Gospel passage from St. Luke. It is precisely this reduction of what is sacred and supernatural to something profane and natural that destroys the Church, destroys man, and ultimately, as we see all around us today, destroys the society that we live in. The destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans in 70 AD came about only because the chosen people rejected the Messiah and preferred to wallow in their sins. So what should we do? Our duties remain twofold. Following the epistle, we must follow the, the counsel of St. Paul and accept all corrections for sins of the heart, sins of action, and sins of the mouth. We must look to God for our own sanctification. Secondly, we nourish our faith and wait patiently for our Lord himself to have mercy on us and in so doing to clean up the church. By an outpouring of his precious blood, our Lord will bring the church back to her pristine beauty as on Good Friday, when all that was evil was destroyed and the gates of heaven 
pathway open to us. It was by the grace of God given to us through the sacraments that Christendom could be built over 1,500 years out of the pagan cultures found in Europe. Let this be the means of our own return to grace. If we are to set right our society, let us set right the place of God in our lives. When he is at the center of our lives, when the liturgy is all about him, then we will truly see the glorification of God and the exaltation of man. O Mary, help of Christians, pray for us. St. Joseph, protector of the Universal Church, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.